0: email Dr. Jacqueline at usaglobaltv.com to talk about how you can become part of USA Global TV. That's USA Global TV where the doctor is always in. Hi, I'm Red O'Laughlin. This is the Talking Heads program on USA Global TV and Radio. Today my session is going to be about stress and we're talking a little bit about the physiology of stress. As a disclaimer, I'm not a physician, never been in the medical field, never been in the pharmaceutical field. I research the human body at the cellular level. I look for cause and effect relationships. Treat a cause, fix a problem. Treat a symptom and you'll always be treating symptoms. But there's chemical reactions that go on inside the body at the cellular level. And if we become aware of those, become more educated on what is happening, then we have the ability to take some action to either speed up a process that's good for us or slow down or even stop a process that may be potentially hazardous down the road and that's all about what talking heads is is sharing information that will be of value to the to to the viewer listener in the case of the audio audience so again Talking Heads, Red O'Loughlin and uh, Dr. Jacqueline is our producer today. And first uh, slide, Dr. Jack. Stress. Stress starts in the brain. It, it's a thought. It's a perception. If we weren't thinking about something, chances are there'd be no stress. We'd be sleep or we'd be comatose. But in reality, it starts right up here and it's a defensive mechanism. It is there in everyone. It, some people manage it better than others, but basically it is a natural and normal occurrence. Uh, It's been around for years. It's been studied off and on, but probably the most credit goes to a guy named Hans Selye. 1956, he came out with this uh, syndrome or his, his view or theory called the general adaptation syndrome. And that has been probably the basis of what we think about stress and what's happening in our body since then. But stress is based on our perception. The same thing can happen to two people. And one person, there is no stress. The other person, it can be very stressful. It just sort of depends on what the thing is. Next slide, Dr. Jack. We starts in our brain in the hypothalamus. Uh, We have something that happens to us. Again, it's a perception. It might be a frustration. It might be a conflict. It might be something that we perceive as being lack of control. Definitely some level of uncertainty. But that psychological response, something that happens here between our, it's right in there. We see it in our mind's eye, we see it in our visual eye, sometimes we feel it, it might be a vibration, it might be something we hear, but something's happening that's causing some level of what we call stress or what we're feeling is stress. Next slide, Dr. Jackal. And the stress, once it gets from the hypothalamus, it activates what we call the autonomic nervous system. And that sends a message from the pituitary gland in our brain all the way down to our pituitary into our adrenal glands which are part of our kidneys and that gland down in the kidneys generates two primary hormones one is called adrenaline we're going to talk about that a little bit and the other one's called cortisol we hear a lot about cortisol not so much about adrenaline but we'll go a little bit into detail about both of them so that stressor that something happened up here went through the pituitary through the autonomic nervous system all the way down to the kidneys and the adrenal gland on the top of the kidneys produce the adrenaline and cortisol the two different hormones totally different chemically and they operate differently in the body next slide we might hear about this adrenaline rush it's a high sometimes we get overly excited mentally stimulated but this adrenaline is what prepares our bodies for what what's called the fight or flight reflex something happens and we're our bodies going back thousands of years, are programmed to either stand and fight or run like crazy and get away from whatever's happening. That response depends on a lot of things, but the body is prepared in the same way every single time. Our pulse, our heart rate increases, more blood is now available into the muscles because the blood vessels relax just a little bit to allow more blood, more oxygen in there. Uh, As such, we have a bit of a surge in energy, sometimes so much so that our our limbs, legs, knees, hands, arms might actually shake. Doesn't happen all the time, but they can depending on the intensity and, and a few other factors. But basically, that is priming us to be able to do something. Our airways relax a little bit, and then we can actually bring in more air. So all of these things are physiologically happening and they improve our probability for survival because now we can take action immediately. And they also give us that increase in strength. We have more blood, more oxygen, and we have the mental transition to do things that we may not even think about doing. We just act and make them happen. Uh, Go ahead and next slide, please. The adrenaline is released nearly instantly. It just, once the signal gets down there and it says go, it's released and the adrenaline as such as it's releasing is causing dopamine into our nervous system and depending on our personality sometimes that might be a need for what we consider anger some people just have a natural tendency to go in that direction and it's called the anger hormone but it's basically adrenaline but the dopamine gives us as soon as we're over that particular stress whatever it may be that uh, saber-toothed tiger is going off to attack somebody else we have this feeling of, of well being, that, that rush. It's, a, it's just a, a very pleasant feeling. Now, depending on the intensity, we may have a five minute, I'm oh, glad that's over. I feel much better now. Or it can actually last for a while. Uh, if you were driving down the road and something happened and all of a sudden you were in immediate danger of a crash, or, and, but you didn't, that feeling could actually leave you shaking and can stay with you for a while because that, that adrenaline is just surging throughout the body and as such it takes a while for that burn to burn off now if you're not driving there are ways to overcome it but one of the the fastest ways to help mitigate it is and you've heard this all the time take a deep breath and hold it you know count to three. One, two, and that kind of calms down that system and it kind of doesn't flush the adrenaline from our system it doesn't metabolize it but it kind of reduces its effect a little bit if we were in a place where we could actually literally go running to avoid that saber-toothed tiger you know then that exercise would in fact burn off the adrenaline not so much with cortisol but with adrenaline we can in fact get rid of it a little bit faster but many times we're stressed and we have anxiety that's a term that's used well, that guy seems pretty anxious or, you know, so we have other things that can happen. We have depression, we have stress, we have anxiety. And many times the symptoms are very, very similar. It's hard to tell the difference. Uh, Next slide, please. Uh, Sometimes that stress can be brought on by saying public speaking. It's a phobia. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about phobias in a moment but that can be a very negative stress. Some people it's a very positive stress, but it may be something as meeting a, a personal hero, somebody that you've dreamt about all your life. And maybe they, you were at a meeting and all of a sudden somebody came over and said, well, here's so-and-so. And all of a sudden you shake their hands and you just kind of get that, that feeling all over. And it's, a, it's part of the stress, it's, it's a good stress. So in one case, the public speaking might be a negative stress, but in another case, it may be a very positive stress. So it can go both ways. Most of the time, it has a tendency to go on the negative end of things, but there's, there's a lot of things out there. Now, adrenaline, periodically, yeah, it gets released all over the place, maybe several times a day, maybe more often. It depends on what's going on in our lives. If we're a really uh, adamant couch potato and all we're doing is watching TV, well, maybe there are times when something on TV is going to perceived as uh, I don't want that to happen to me or whatever it may happen to be. I don't want it to happen to the main character because we sort of take in the role of that. And so it's a perception and it, it happens periodically, generally no big problem. It happens. Body responds. Thank you very much. End of story. Wait for the next one. But if something is going on, and it's persistent. You know, maybe you have a relation or a problem with uh, a, a spouse, a child, a mother-in-law, Maybe you have a problem with a boss, a coworker. Uh, Maybe you're constantly involved in traffic going to or coming from work, or maybe that's part of your job is driving in traffic. Maybe it's that time of year here in the Houston area where I live. Every day it's, at least it has been for a lot of June, 100, 100, 102 degrees. And heat is not your thing. It's my thing. I love it. You know, hot, flat, and humid, and I'm a happy camper. But other people can't handle that. I don't like the cold. It gets below 75. I start to go in hibernation. I do not like snow don't mind watching it on TV, but it's not a place where I want to be. So there are things that just happen as part of our life. And sometimes it can become persistent. It's there. We can't get rid of it. Maybe it's a a jackhammer that's working on something next door, putting a new roof on. Maybe it's something else that's in the air. We hear it. We see it. We smell it. It doesn't matter what it is. It's persistent. Now, those symptoms that we have pulse increase, all those things, they stay with us longer. And we can increase our risk of having health problems. Cardiovascular problems, if they become chronic, which means they're there all the time, we're stuck in that fight or flight state. No matter what we do, we can't get out of it. Now we're looking at stroke. We're looking at the inability to react, to adjust. We freeze. You see people on TV, a car's coming. Well, get out of the way. Well, for whatever reason, they're stuck. They can't they physically can't move. They see it, they know they're in danger, but they can't move. They're they're stuck. They they are literally frozen in whatever they are. Next slide. And as such, now we have a couple of new terms I want to kind of talk about from a stress physiology perspective. We know what stress is, but we also hear the term panic attack. I was watching a TV show the other night of Ted Lasso. And during one of the uh, soccer games, he was in. He had a panic attack, and I'm sitting there and I'm watching his symptoms. It was an intense. I mean, you could just tell it started with his hands. Soon it became debilitating. His heart. You can see everything, but we have this intense wave of fear. It's unexpected. It just happens. There's no way we can predict it. But it becomes debilitating. Our heart pounds. Uh, we can't can't get enough breath in. Sometimes we even feel like we're choking. Uh, it's have a feeling of dizziness. We can't got to hold on to something, but the real difference between a panic attack and an anxiety attack that we'll cover on the next page is there's no clear trigger. These things happen out of the blue and usually they're over in 10 or 15 minutes. That's, that's kind of a a good, if it's lasting more than 15 minutes, there's probably something you really need to talk to your doctor about. And there's a lot of ways, the same things that we do typically to counter stress can be used to counter panic attacks, but sometimes we can't do it by ourselves. We need somebody to lead us down that road. But generally speaking, if it's happening and there's no cause and and we have this intense fear of whatever's going on, but then all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but minutes later, well, I don't know what caused that, but I'm glad that's over. That was probably a panic attack and you're not immune from getting more of them. Next slide, please. But depending on what it is, uh, we have another thing. Now, all the stress starts in the pituitary because it's something that's a perception. But something that actually happens to us early in our life actually can be triggered from the amygdala. Again, another part of the brain. The symptoms are very similar to stress, very similar to panic. But in this particular case, it's a perceived threat, something that, that we see. And it may be building up over hours or even days for whatever it is, something's happening in our life and our anxiety is growing and growing and growing. In this particular case, an anxiety attack mimics a panic attack mimics severe stress, but it's triggered by something. And it's usually over in about 30 minutes, but that, that can, that overall feeling can last a lot longer than just 30 minutes. It can actually be with you for days. Next slide, please. We have phobias. The phobia is classified as an anxiety disorder. So it's a, it's a level above stress. It's into that anxiety thing. Uh, but in this particular case, it's something we perceive. And it's a little bit above a perception because whatever we're seeing, it's persistent and it's excessive. Uh, a lot of people are have fear of spiders, snakes. My wife has a big fear of snakes. I have a healthy respect for snakes. I don't mind picking them up. Um, Biggest snake I ever picked up in my life was a six foot King Cobra over in Thailand. Long story. Um, I didn't realize it was a King Cobra until I saw the head starting to to weave out into the the hood of a a Cobra. But very shortly thereafter, I got rid of it. Uh, When I used to mow the yard here at my house, about once a year, I'd find a snake uh, somewhere or some of the kids in the neighborhood would come up, Hey, we got a snake over here. And I would, gently pick it up and I move it down to the local canal and let it go. Uh, But there are things out there that will cause phobias. Public speaking causes a big phobia for a lot of people. Fear of heights, fear of dark places, fear of enclosed places, even fear of just getting on an airliner, flying someplace. These phobias are not necessarily overcome with the same thing that overcomes stress it's a more difficult thing there's a lot of techniques that can be used similar to stress management but might have to actually get some help on those let's go ahead and go to the next one as i said earlier stress can be positive or negative uh and depending on how we view things that's you know like, okay i have an opportunity for you to speak tomorrow at the uh, local rotary club i am have a fear i can't do that no you, you That's a negative one. Oh, uh, yeah, I'd love to be able to talk. A positive response. Same stressor, different responses. We can actually take and increase our adrenaline naturally. There are things out there. You go ahead and Google natural increases to adrenaline. And we'll see that there, there are things out there that we can do. We can actually increase our adrenaline levels and take advantage of some of the positive aspects of it. Anytime we challenge our comfort zone, let's say our comfort zone is meeting new people. I'm an introvert, I'll tell you that right now, severe introvert, but I learned a long time ago that I take my introvert hat off, I put my extrovert hat on, and I go up and shake somebody's hand, meet them and tell them what's going on. I have to wear a different hat. You know, I would be very, very happy just sitting at home, reading a book as opposed to out networking and meeting new people, not my level of comfort. I do it, I've learned to do it, but I've changed my comfort zone to be able to do that. So as you challenge your comfort zone, to doing those things that are uncomfortable, that natural increase in adrenaline happens to counter that stress. And these things now instead of become a, a negative stress in the body can become positive stress because we're actually changing things. We are having the ability to cope a little bit more than we did before. And as such that coping, let's say that you you lose your job, big stress. I mean, financially, emotionally, relation, a lot of things are happening going for that interview again a big stress and you fear that one question well tell me a little bit about yourself yeah by the time you had 15 interviews and that question has come up 13 times you're a whole lot better at answering well, well tell me a little bit about yourself you cope you learn that that is not going to kill you it's not going to make you yeah you may have some nausea you may have uh butterflies in the stomach you may have a lot of things there that's inside make you feel a little uncomfortable but in the big scheme of things no it's, it's one of those things that we can in fact change and we can do things that put us outside the comfort zone even when we are I mean I love to sprint that's one of the things I changed over from long distance running to sprinting I I prefer to do that now as my exercise de jour I love hot showers, but a cold shower sometimes is a comfort zone issue. And as such, my adrenaline may come up a little bit and I get out of a colder, let's say a cooler shower, not a cold shower. But I learned in Germany when I was in a hot sauna and I go into a cold dip and a cold dip could be anything literally from around 35, 39 degrees to the mid 40s or even low 50s. They even have swimming pools or 65, 69. It's a cooler environment. And I couldn't even get my feet into the water for more than two seconds. But over time, I'm talking months, I was able to physically get down and bury my head in 45 degree water and be in there for two, three minutes and relax. I come out a new light switch turned on. I'm a new person. So things can change. But again, it's not something that changes overnight. Uh, public singing. I can't sing. We may sing in the, in the shower, we may sing in the car, but it's not something we do outside so maybe karaoke is one of those things that will carry you into a a more natural environment for for that let's go to the next slide dr jacqueline cortisol again it's another stress hormone it's secreted from the adrenal gland but it's got a couple different things it's it's inside our bodies a lot more because it's got a real job to do its primary function is to metabolize fats and proteins in our liver into a glucose and so as such, now we have something that's actually working as part of our normal, everyday metabolic body. When our brain senses that our levels are too low, it's going to increase cortisol. If it's too high, it's going to decrease it. It adjusts it so that it works with insulin to stabilize glucose in our, our blood. And as such, now we have a normal environment. Another function that it does, it acts to as an anti-stress agent. With that cortisol in there even though it's a stress hormone it actually has a tendency to tamp down the stress levels it's an anti-inflammatory works very very well as an anti-inflammatory and as such it has a calming effect now there are problems with that but let's go to the next slide dr jack during stress our cortisol makes glucose more available. So we, we are primed. Our bodies can can run instantly because we have that energy. We, we feel more. That's because of the glucose availability has been increased. But what happens if we have too much cortisol and, it, and we can be stressed all day long, never manage our stress, and all of a sudden that cortisol builds up and builds up and builds up and builds up. And then pretty soon we have too much cortisol, too long, and we get excess weight primarily around the belly, sometimes around the face, the neck, sometimes the back, uh, upper back. Uh, sometimes we're fatigued a lot. we just oh, tired. I just, oh, I wish I could get a decent nap, get a good nice sleep. That's what happens with too much cortisol. Too little cortisol, similar. We have a lot of weakness, uh, some fatigue. Our blood pressure is significantly lower. Uh, and depending on our level of anxiety, what's happened to us, We may actually have a situation where anxiety can increase cortisol levels in general we can reduce our cortisol levels with some levels of exercise and not quite the intensity of exercise that we do with to release uh, to remove reduce reduce adrenaline but with balanced nutrition get our nutrients right stress management yeah we can control cortisol to a degree Uh, generally speaking there's about three levels or three phases we go through Uh, with regard to stress. The first one is alarm. Uh, Something happening. uh, Is that a threat? No. Okay. It's not a problem. But then we go into our first level. Is that a threat or is it not a threat? Uh, And then we go into a second appraisal. Uh, Then we go into coping. And that coping is the one that, well, tell me a little bit about yourself that after we've been asked that question a dozen times, we can cope with the answer far, far better. So that coping is part of the the phase we go through, through stress, something happens, we respond and the lesson learned, the ability to improve, take that specific thing that happened and improve our overall ability not to run, but maybe to stay and fight, maybe to hide, whatever may happen to be. Uh, But we're, we're constantly being aware and improving. And if you want to improve your health, being aware of things that stress you out, Doing stress management uh, techniques; those are things that are going to control the levels of cortisol in the body. Uh, there was one particular study that I looked at that I thought was interesting. It did with soccer players, and they found out depending on who they were playing, sometimes a, a challenging opponent, you know, the stress levels went up. Well, we haven't beat them in 31 years, right? or they're bigger players, or they're they're whatever. Uh, maybe it's raining outside, uh, cold. Don't like that. Uh, Maybe we have coaching issues. Somebody there just doesn't understand us. Uh, we got attitude issues, us, maybe some teammates, Uh, a lot of issues there. And a lot of times if you work harder, you suck it up. Yeah. You can avoid some of the issues that go with, with that, that, but sometimes you end up being a little too passive and you start getting into a withdrawal. You're, you're basically pushing yourself away from learning from that. Uh, And you almost even get to a point where, it's unhealthy. Uh, you're unhappy. You can't see any way out of it. That's what you don't want. You're too defensive. Uh, you start blaming, blaming yourself. You blame other people. Uh, and that's what that lack of control that we started with today. You see yourself unable to actually take any positive action to do things. Well, part of that's because maybe we've never taken any actions to, to make those things. And over time, that lack of control uh, can, can become if we cope properly, can become a a good mechanism for us to do things. And as we look at that from a, a big perspective, the overall is that once we start acknowledging that it's really me, it's not them, it's not it, I have a problem, that is a major step forward in being able to solve a particular challenge because you realize that that particular stressor, whatever it is, you're reacting to it. It's not what happened. It's what you hold on to and you don't let go. That is the problem. It's being able to let go of those particular things. Uh, from an, a, the, the biggest problem with stress in many, many regards is the fact that it affects so many parts of our body. When we look at, you know, from an emotional perspective, uh, you might have anger issues, irritability, anxiety, even depression. Uh, And those are manifested in many different ways in our musculature. We can maybe get headaches, uh, back pain, jaw issues. Uh, You may have uh, ligaments and tendons and all sorts of things in there. Might have an irritable stomach. Um, Our stomach in and of itself, you might end up having excess uh, stomach acid, uh, acid, heartburn, uh, gas, flatulence, diarrhea, constipation. Uh, All of those things are, are in there. And then from a, you know, another aspect of our body our blood pressure goes up hot decreases maybe you have sweaty palms uh, heart palpitations a lot of things are going on Uh, maybe we have dizziness maybe we have chest pain all of those things are going on and because of one thing our response to stress and as such they also affect other aspects of our body when I'm looking at being able to memory you know, our, our cognitive issues. We may have memory problems, may have the inability to concentrate, uh, poor judgment. Uh, a lot of things are happening out there. We may become more negative just because that's part of our nature. Uh, our thoughts may be racing in different ways. Constant worry, uh, You know, from a cognitive perspective, those are things that are very common with stress. Emotionally, anything from just a short temper, irritability, uh, inability to relax, feeling overwhelmed, uh, sometimes loneliness or even isolation. Uh, you don't want to get to the depression level, but that can happen if you have a general feeling of unhappiness for a long period of time. But moodiness, those things all are emotional responses to that stress. Physically, I talked about aches and pains and diarrhea and stuff like that. Uh, sometimes you may actually have a chest pain that that stops you. I'm not having a heart attack uh that can actually be one of those uh frequent colds uh those are things that happen because of stress Uh, loss of sex drive that's a big one that happens to some people behaviorally uh, it might be a case where all of a sudden you stop eating or all of a sudden you start eating a lot more sleep is interrupted your behavior becomes is that the same person that i knew five years ago No. procrastination becomes a big part of our lives we feel neglected uh, maybe our use of alcohol or cigarettes or drugs, uh, increases, uh, fighting our nails, pacing, a lot of things happen all because of stress. And it's all part of a normal, natural part, but when we allow it to take over and we don't let go of it, then these other things happen. And that's what part of this program is about is saying, if you're aware that these things are there and in the next session, we're gonna be talking about what can we do to actually combat and fight some of these things, our stress management, we're able to do things that we couldn't do earlier. That's what we need to do. And um, one second. And so that's the, the whole purpose that I'm talking here today is let's look at what happens to us. Let's recognize it. Let's be aware of it. Let's become better educated by it. And once we do that, now if we know what to do or who to talk to and say, Hey, this happened to me, I wrote it down and I'm a big believer in writing down things that happened. If you had a panic attack, write it down. There may not be a cause for it, but if you're starting to document those things, you want to be able to talk to somebody and said, I had three of these things happen, you know, here on the fir- first of the month, the 11th and the 12th. Tell, And if it starts becoming a problem, these things that you write down become major ass- you know, aids to help you get over it. Uh, Dr. Google, YouTube are excellent sources of natural ways to combat Fatigue, natural ways to combat or uh, lower adrenaline levels. Uh, how to fight cortisol. Cortisol is—it's—it's a, it's a, that hormone. As actually, you have to metabolize it inside the liver. It's not something you can easily get rid of. Now you can tamp it down, but you can't get rid of it as quickly as you can with adrenaline. So, with that, I see my time is just about up. I thank you very much for uh, being with me today, with Talking Heads on USA Global uh, Radio, TV, and Radio Network, and. I appreciate Dr. uh, Jacqueline's uh, assistance today as a producer of the show and helping with my slides. Uh, I'm also available on the USA Global TV and Radio Network on The Wise Ones. It's a show immediately preceding this one. Uh, Dr. Jacqueline is a host. I'm a co-host. And we talk to interesting people who share the wisdom of their world as to how can we help somebody else? Very, very valuable show. Strongly recommended. Uh, Dr Jacqueline does around two dozen or more shows every week uh, there's something there for literally everybody so I encourage you to go to YouTube or and and catch some of these shows they're, they're archived there uh, and again thank you so very much I appreciate your time